I'm Terry Taylor, and this is the Interior Design Business Academy podcast. As an interior designer, you may be thinking, I love what I do, but I am so overworked and underpaid. Let me tell you, I've been there too. I spent many years learning from my own mistakes and developing proven strategies and systems to make interior design a profitable career while keeping it fun and creative. So now I'm here to help you get paid what you're worth. If you're ready for some straight talk about how design business really works and you're ready to break through old belief systems that are holding you back and shift into beliefs that support your goals and bring lasting success, you are in the right place. Hi, I would like for you to imagine that you just got a six-page spread in Lux Magazine. It just came out this past weekend. Clients are calling you. It's causing quite a ruckus. It's absolutely gorgeous. Just settle with that a minute and think how that would feel. And let's put a little more behind it. Let's also imagine that Three weeks before, your regional home and garden magazine came out with a big spread of one of your projects in it as well. This is really good. This is really pushing the celebrity buttons all over the place. It feels really good. It feels really good to be appreciated and be seen and and show the quality and amazingness of your work. However, it's causing quite a ruckus and a lot of new clients are calling. So my question for you, my big question here, is if this happened, right, and it could, very well could, or any number of scenarios that could do this, that you started getting way more calls for jobs than what you're prepared for, could you handle it? I mean, if twice your client load that you're running now called and wants appointments for you to do projects, could your company handle it? Is it there? And, you know, it's also possible that you could end up with five times the number of clients that you <laughs> that you have now. What would happen? What would happen to your student? Could you do it? Could you actually do those jobs? Or is that not even, even feasible or possible? Do you even know how many clients you could add in to your present company the way it's set up without getting overloaded and not being able to service people the way you want it to, because that's the danger, right? We don't want to get in a position where we've got so many clients and so much going on that the level of design drops never, ever, or the level of white glove service drops never, ever, right? But if you're not set up for it, how would you take on that onslaught of clients, (laughs) right? What would happen? What would happen? You know, and do you have any idea how many clients you could add or where you could add them to see if if you could actually run and and be able to produce this? And here's an even better question. (laughs) How would your family feel if they heard that you just took on twice your client load, three times the client load that you've ever had before? What are they thinking? (laughs) they're wondering if they're ever going to see you again, right? So there's, you know, here's something that you really want to look at because, you know, if the answer is no to all of this stuff, you know, then you probably need to work on some leverage in your business because that is the way you move up market into these bigger clients, bigger jobs, bigger money, more free time for you, more freedom, all of those things. It comes right there in that flush of new clients and bigger, bigger expanded business. But if you're not prepared 
to pick it up and run with it, you risk crashing, right? And losing clients. You don't want to do that. Don't want to do that. So, you know, there's a lot of beliefs <laughs> that we run through our heads when we get in these positions and we tend to kind of try to talk ourselves out of it or go in circles with it and not move forward with it. Um, things like, well, you know, if I had two more hours in the day, I could actually get this done or I had another day in the week, I could get it done. That's about being so crazy busy now that you can't imagine how you would take on any more. There's just no space for it, right? It could happen. You know, it can happen. You say, you know, I'm working 60 hours a week now. How could I do that? It would put me over the edge. Okay. Or how about this one? I'm the only one that can work with my clients. They don't want anybody else. They want me. They only work me. And, you know, I, I, I couldn't have somebody else work on their jobs. I just wouldn't be possible. I would have to sacrifice my life to be able to get these things done because, you know, there's, there's only me. Well, okay, you know, um, we could think about that in maybe a different way. And then here's another one. Even if I tried to serve twice as many clients or three times as many clients, they wouldn't get the same results. I believe that my high bar of design would diminish. The level of white glove service we provide would diminish. I would not be giving my clients what we want. And therefore, I can't take any more clients. I'm just, I'm stuck where I am. This is it. I've hit the ceiling and I can't do anything more. Um, it's just not worth it. I don't want to not, I don't want to disappoint my clients. I don't want to not serve them well. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. But that's a belief and not exactly a truth. Okay. So there's something else going on in there. And here's another one. Even if I tried to get somebody else to do the work for me or work with me, it wouldn't be the same, right? It wouldn't be my work. And besides, I'd have to tell them what to do every day and, you know, and having all those people to manage. I don't want to do that. And look, what would happen is, is all I would be doing is figuring out what they're supposed to be doing and not doing what I do. Um, that's not what I want either, you know? And, and besides, the clients just want me, right? Well, the reality is that those are just beliefs and not really truths, okay? They're um, things that we run around, things that we think with, we run around our minds with. It isn't really what's going on, okay? It's it's a way of defending where we're at and holding in place. And, and we realize that that happens. Our minds do that to try to protect us. But it also keeps you from growing when, when you, when you believe your beliefs are true and you don't question whether that's actually, you know, actually can be shifted, right? And I'm not saying that, that none of that stuff's true, but most of it is not, right? And most of it can be done, absolutely can be done. And it just takes a different way of thinking, a bit of a mindset shift about the way you think about things and about how you get things done. You know, in order to make that happen, in order to expand like that and take on more clients, and, you know, this is a, a challenge that we here at IDBA bump into fairly often with our students because what we do here is is get them busy and get good clients, make money, make this happen. And at some point you bump up on the ceiling of I can't do it anymore. How do I how do I move past that? And the answer of course is leverage. Being able to leverage your business and be able to expand it into into where, you know, you can actually handle more and still keep the quality up. So it involves a shift in your business model, a shift in the way you do things. 
Um, and, and in doing so, you always want to hold on to the key pieces that you believe are, are what your clients want. You know, you could even ask them <laughs> what's important, what's not. But, but there's these key pieces that need to stay in place. But then there's a whole bunch of stuff, a whole ton of stuff that you're doing that you wouldn't need to be doing, that somebody else could be doing. Okay. So it's a different way of looking at how you manage your business and serve more people without working more hours. Okay. Because the idea is you need to work less. Okay. So in, in doing so, in shifting this business process, what we need to do is look at your processes, develop processes for everything. Okay. Because when you have a process that's predictable, that's really predictable, that's laid out, repeated, that you've done before, you've tweaked it when it didn't work so well. So it gets really smooth with time. They get really smooth so that you don't even think about it anymore. It just happens that way because that process has been set up. It's been defined. It's been written. The person who's doing it knows exactly what their job is. They don't have to ask about it. It just happens in the background. That's what we're going for. And all the way through the design process, this can happen because you don't have to do everything, okay? You can let a lot of other people do a whole bunch of this stuff, right? Now, there's a whole side of looking at that. In And I will share with you in my design studio, what I did was develop processes for everything except for the high-touch front-end stuff that I needed to do. The interaction with the client, the new client, bringing them into the fold, selling the job, creating the concept. And I would create the concept with the client and probably pull a few major pieces, a little bit of color scheme, kind of get the the, the concept going and get the client approval and then turn it over to my design team, which took it from there. Actually built it out from there. Generally, we already had a space plan approved by that point, And it was like, fill in the blanks. Every Friday, I want to see what you got. Show me what you have. Give me three choices for everything in here. Okay. Now, we've got that whole process mapped out in in our library, how that actually works. So that when that job um, comes to fruition, when it time to present, I'd go back and present it. Um, and collect the money and smile and, and connect with the client and that sort of thing. And then give it back to purchasing and purchase the whole thing. And I would not touch that again until it was time to install. And I would come over and essentially bless the installation. Right. I wasn't even there with my, not there in my jeans on <laughs> schlepping things in, but literally once it's in, making a few tweaks, making sure it's perfect and connecting with the client. Now, what I did there was actually really utilize my time so that, and defined where the big, the big points were that the client needed me to be there. And then the big points that client didn't need me to be there. Okay. I had a huge challenge in doing this, and it was about telling the client that I had an assistant and that somebody else was going to work on the job. I really, I freaked out about that over <laughs> for probably a year, right? And I talked to a friend of mine who had done it and said, oh, no problem. I just bring the, the, the designer's going to work on it in with me and we introduce it together and we do the concept together. And then, and then, <laughs> and then what I said to the client was, you know, you have my cell number. You can call me anytime. My fingers are all over this. This is, this is who's going to work on this job with me. We're going to part 
partner on this, right? Which meant that she actually was going to do all that back-end stuff, but I don't need to say that. But my fingerprints are all over this job, right? And you have my cell phone. You could call me if you want. However, if you want to know when your sofa's coming in, you could call Edith because she actually has the answer. If you call me, I have to call Edith and then get back to you, so it's going to be at least 24 hours before you hear from me. If you really want an answer, just call Edith. She's all over it. And you know what? They did. There wasn't a ripple. There was, there was, there was no pushback whatsoever. Zero. I was amazed, absolutely amazed, and therefore emboldened by the fact that I could do that and that it was all right with the clients and that, that having an assistant that we we're going to work with and do stuff was a perfectly acceptable thing it was like, Oh, okay. Well, then what else? What else can I pull out of here? Okay. Then we started developing a really good purchasing system where everything's laid out exactly the way those POs are written, what the information needs to get in them, how they're put out to the vendors, when we expect the acknowledgements back, when we want the follow-ups, uh, all of those pieces, everything that had to do with purchasing, we got written down and set up into a purchasing system so that when those proposals got signed and funded, it just went directly to purchasing and they took care of it all. I don't want to hear about it unless there's a, a discontinued that we have to reselect. Right. Or something that's back ordered so long. And, you know, at, the, at our weekly staff meeting, we'd get a report on that going, OK, well, this sofa is back ordered three weeks. Is that OK? Or do you want to reselect? Right? There would be those kinds of decisions to make along the way. But I had nothing to do with it after that. Now, what did I do with my time, all that free time I created? I actually started Interior Design Business Academy. That's how I did that, is I had enough good staff and enough systems within my studio that I could run the studio and it would finance everyone, paid everybody's salaries, including mine, while I was starting another business, something else I was just interested in playing with, right? So you could, you could do something like that, you know, you can just decide not to work so much and have a little more time off. Right. But, but what I'm saying is in order to leverage a business, you have to develop some systems and you have to trust that you can hire people that can learn a particular job really well and do it well for you. And that because your system is so good, the result is predictable. The result, the good result is predictable at the end of the system every single time. Okay. And that's what it takes to leverage a business, to be able to hold on to two or three or four times more clients. Now, along the way, you'll probably want to change your marketing too. You probably want to present your studio more as a organization. Um, we were Taylor Design Group rather than Terry Taylor Interior Design, which was my original, my original uh, corporation says that. That was my original business name. However, as we started shifting into a bigger company and developing more, more corporate attitude and not making it about me and my personality, but what we actually produce, the product we produce and the way we do it and the quality of what we do. Right. So there was a marketing, there was a marketing shift in there as well as to how we presented ourselves to the public and how we, how we did those business. So those are the things that, 
that can happen in a, in a leveraged business that will make an enormous difference. You can't make this kind of shift on your own very easily because you don't know what you don't know. You know, it, it's, it's one of those places where, you know, as I developed it, I really didn't know that's what I was doing. And then later on, as I got some more business coaching, you know, just, just general business coaching, I learned about systems and teamwork and that kind of thing. I went, Oh, that's what I was doing. And then I could improve those systems even more. Okay. And that's what we bring here at Interior Design Business Academy to bring leverage into your business. And we do that within our structure program. And that's its major focus is developing systems and team to back you up so that you don't work so much, okay? So that you can have a good paycheck and have the freedom to do what you want and not be working every moment of the day. (laughs) So, you know, this is about some shifts. This is about some mindset shifts, some shifts at how you do business, shifts in how you do marketing. But if this is your goal is to expand this business and have a really thriving design studio that's more than just you, but, but involves a team and lots of projects and, and you really want to go for it, then, then, you know, this, this is where you learn that. Okay. You've got to learn to do this leverage piece. And that is in systems and teams. And we do that in our structure program. So um, we could help you get clear on what those things are. Um, if this is something that you think you need in your business, I invite you to um, go to the website and sign up for a, a clarity call where one of our coaches can sit down with you and we can talk about what you have in place, what you don't have in place, where you need to go, what the next best steps are, all of that sort of stuff. It's a it's a great conversation. Um, and, you know, along the way, we can tell you about how we teach it and how we can get you there and decide if that's a, a good fit for you or not. That's that's certainly up to you. But I invite you to jump into a phone call about that and find out how it is that you would move your business into this next level and enjoy the income and freedom that would come with it at the same time. So until next time I talk to you, design something beautiful and get paid what you're worth. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Interior Design Business Podcast. If you love what you're hearing each week, let me know by leaving a rating and a review. And don't forget to follow the show so you don't miss out on clear, proven, repeatable, step-by-step recipes for attracting ideal luxury clients I share in each episode. As always, you can head over to interiordesignbusinessacademy.com to check out the links and resources from this episode. Till next week, design something beautiful and get paid what you're worth.